0: One of my favorite stories about Boudreaux and Thibodeau was the day they were out working, digging a ditch, and they're watching their boss up on the hillside. He's sitting under a great big shade tree, just sipping on lemonade. Thibodeau asked Boudreaux, he said, why is it that he gets to sit under the shade and sip lemonade all day, and we're down here in the hot sun digging the ditch? He does all, we do all the work, and he just sits in the shade. Boudreaux said, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. So he walked up there and and he asked him, he said, boss, we want to know something. He said, what's that? He said, why do you get to sit in the shade and we have to, uh, you know, be down there just working all day in the hot sun? He said, well, Boudreaux, I'll tell you, it's a thing called intelligence. Boudreaux said, intelligence. He said, yeah. He said, let me illustrate it to you. And he put his hand up against that live oak tree that he was Sitting under that rough bark, and he said, Boudreaux, I want you to hit my hand as hard as you can. Boudreaux said, Boss, I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt you. He said, No, I mean it. I want you to hit my hand as hard as you can. Well, Boudreau's feeling a little angst towards him anyway. And so he just pulls back as far as he could, and he swung as hard as he could. And just before he hit his boss's hand, his boss removed his hand, and then Boudreaux busted up his knuckles on that rough bark. And the and the boss said, Boudreaux, you see there? It's a thing called intelligence. He said, Oh. He walks down to Thibodeau and Thibodeau said, well, what'd you find out? He said, well, he's up there under the shade and we're down here doing the work because of a thing called intelligence. Thibodeau said, intelligence. Boudreaux said, here, let me illustrate it for you. Hit my hand. Come on, y'all. It's a thing called intelligence. Intelligence. Uh, I wanna talk to you for a few minutes this morning about leadership, and I wanna talk to you specifically about things you need to know about leadership because how many know that we are often undone simply by what we don't know? I thought as we welcome these young men and women from around the country here uh, at our college today, it would be so appropriate that we would talk to them about leadership, about what they're coming to, to really learn about But beyond just our our class of 2020 that's with us this morning, I think everyone in this room would benefit from really knowing some things about leadership. In Hosea chapter four and verse six, here's what God said about us, about his people. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Listen, Satan wants to use what we don't know about leadership to destroy us. And sometimes, again, it's just what we don't know that leads toward our undoing. So I want you to know some things about leadership today. In fact, I want you to to know seven things. And if you've got something to write with, you can jot these things down. I think that they'll they'll really uh, benefit you. Uh, The first thing that I wanna point out is really what makes this message relevant for all of us here, not just the students in our college, but it's relevant for all of us because the first thing I want you to know about leadership is this. Everyone leads someone. Wow. Everyone leads someone. You may not own uh, a business where you employ a number of people that are looking to you for leadership. You may not uh, be in a management position at the place where you work, where you have subordinates that look to you for leadership. You may not have a, uh, a civic uh, position or, uh, you know, you may not have a, a, a church Um, uh, leadership title, but everyone leads someone. Everybody is leading somebody. In Philippians chapter two and verse four, the Bible tells us this, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. So knowing that there are people looking to us to get their cues from us as to how they're to to do life, how they're to navigate life, how they are to make the decisions that they're making, knowing that there are people we are leading. Listen, whether you wanna lead or not, you're a leader. People are looking to you and they're taking their cues from you. And so recognizing that, I think Philippians chapter two really speaks clearly to all of us about just how intentional we should be over the leadership that we're providing people day to day. Someone once said, if you think you are a leader and you turn around and there's nobody following you, you're really just taking a walk. And, and I know that some of you feel like you're just kind of taking a walk, but if you will get intentional about how people are gonna take their cues from the decisions you make and the way you treat people and, and how you navigate life. Listen, God can really make you the kind of leader that he wants you to be in the lives of others, whether you're a parent, whether you are a business owner or a manager, whether you're a, a politician or a pastor. Listen, God wants to help you to lead people well. The second thing that I wanna point out Something that I learned from from the great uh, John Maxwell, if you're not familiar with his books, you need to get familiar with them. He is a, a, a spirit filled guy who has so much to say about Uh, leadership from a biblical perspective and his books are just amazing. Maybe you would start with the 21 unrefutable uh, laws of leadership, a great, great classic uh, book on leadership. And here's what one of those laws states, leadership at the end of the day is really just influence. That's why I'm telling you all of us are leaders because look, all of us are influencing others. We influence people by the way we live our lives. We influence people through the decisions that we make, how we navigate hardships. Really, people are taking their cues from us along these lines. Our leadership really just comes down to influence. How many know you don't have to have a title to be a leader? All you have to have is influence and boom, you're leading people. Now, reality is you may not be leading them right. And that's why you need to be very intentional, understanding the influence that we have and the scope our influence has. We need to be very intentional about leading well, about leading in the right direction. I'll say more about that in a moment. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse one, uh, records the words of St. Paul. He's writing to those he leads there in the city of Corinth. And in his first letter, chapter 11, verse one, he tells them, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You follow me, he said, as I follow Jesus. Can I tell you, this is a man that has gotten very intentional about how he's influencing others. Because what Paul is saying is Paul is saying, if you do what I do, you're gonna be okay. If you make the kind of choices I'm making, If you show God the kind of devotion that I'm showing God, listen, My example I'm setting for you is going to lead you in the right direction. Paul's not saying that he doesn't make mistakes. Paul's not saying that he's perfect in all that he does, but he is saying, listen, I am so sincerely intentional about how I live my life. I know if you follow my example, you will be headed in the right direction. Would to God that every one of us could take that same kind of intentionality and posture ourselves in life. that we could look at our sons and daughters, we could look at uh, our employees, we could look at whoever we have influence with, and we could say to them, hey, you follow me as I follow Jesus. Someone once said, we attract who we are, not who we want. Let me speak real quick to business owners in this room, because most of you as business owners or business managers, you want Chick-fil-A type employees, but you're taking a Popeye's approach to life. Can we get honest for just a moment? Hey, can we get honest? Can we get honest? This whole debate a few weeks ago about the, the sandwich, the Popeye sandwich, the Chick-fil-A sandwich, it wasn't about the sandwich. It was about the service over the sandwich. And listen, there's no comparison because Chick-fil-A, that corporation, got very intentional about raising up people, providing the right kind of service. And the the same is true, the same is going to be true of us. If we want those kind of employees, we've got to be very intentional about the example that we're setting for them. Every Sunday at the end of my service, I'll call people uh, into uh, an invitation to receive Christ as Savior and Lord of, of, of their life. If you've been attending here a while, you know it happens Every Sunday, it's gonna to happen today. Every Sunday at the end of every service, I give people an invitation to serve Christ and I do it in the same way every service. I get chided about it every once in a while. People will look at me and go, one, two, three. You know, and, um, and look, I can take it, I can take it on the chin. Can I just share something with you? If you were to go to Shreveport Community Church in Shreveport, Louisiana this morning and attend the church service that is officiated by my good friend, Pastor Denny Duran. He serves in an apostolic role here at Crossroads. What does that mean? It means your pastor has a pastor. I have someone that I look to for leadership. And if you attended Pastor Denny's service this morning, at the end of the service, I promise you, two things would happen. Number one, he'd give an invitation for people to accept Christ. And number two, it would look a lot like my invitation that I give every Sunday. You know why? He's the one who influenced me. He shaped who I am as a man and as a minister. We have that effect in the lives of those that we lead. So we need to get very intentional. Here's why, number three, you can lead others down the wrong path easier than the right path. As someone who has influence, as as someone that people are taking their cues from you, be aware you can lead others down the wrong path easier than you can the right path. Matthew's gospel, chapter seven, here's what Jesus said in verse 13 and 14. He said, go in through the narrow gate. The gate to destruction is wide and the road that leads there is easy to follow. A lot of people go through that gate, but the gate to life is very narrow. The road that leads there is so hard to follow that only a few people find it. Again, I've already spoken about intentionality and how important that is within our life. But these words that Jesus speaks makes it so clear just how intentional we've gotta be that we're on the right path, on a path that's narrow, on a path that's straight, on a path that leads to life, not only for our own sake, But for the sake of those that are following us, we've got to get intentional. We've got to make the hard choices. We've got to do the hard things. I'm not telling you serving God is easy. I'm not telling you that it's easy. I'm telling you it's worth it. I'm telling you it leads to life and that more abundant. Um, I'll give you an example of, of, of the kind of narrow path that I've chosen as a leader, understanding my influence over others. Um, I'll give you an example in the area of alcohol consumption. Now, most of you know my story. And you know that uh, as a young man, I was an alcoholic and I suffered with alcoholism for many years, drug addiction, and God set me free. Somebody say, "Thank thank God. Thank God, he can set you free too. Um, but after I was set free uh, from my addiction and I began to follow Christ, I made a decision that I would never touch a drop of alcohol again. Now, I wanna just stand before you and I wanna acknowledge that I know you're not gonna find a chapter and verse in the Bible that says, hey, never drink a beer. I know that that's not in the Bible. The Bible explicitly says that we are not to be drunk. God forbids you to be drunk. That includes any type of uh, of buzz drinking. And if you're involved in buzz drinking or or buzz uh, narcotics use, you need to cut it out. You need to stop it. It's a sin against God and it doesn't belong in the life of a believer. It doesn't belong in the life of a Christ follower. (laughs) Having said that, I understand that there are people that'll have a, you know, that are, are, are serious followers of Jesus, and maybe you'll have a beer at the barbecue or a glass of wine at dinner. I want you to know I don't do that. As your pastor, I don't do that. I've never given myself permission to do that. And Here's why. I believe that what fathers do in moderation, sons do in excess. And so if I do something in moderation that opens the door for someone to get excessive over, then I'm leading them in the wrong direction. I'm leading them into sin. And I don't wanna use my influence that way. And so I have an abstinent policy as it relates to consumption. And so do all the other pastors on this staff. You're never gonna see us out having a glass of wine or having a beer. We just don't wanna use the influence God's given us to lead people in the wrong direction. We wanna lead them in the right direction. And can I, can I challenge you? Can I challenge you to be that intentional about the influence you have on others? Number four, a fourth observation about leadership is this. We're gonna be held accountable for our leadership. The reason I have that uh, abstinent policy towards consumption. And the reason why I've drawn those very uh, fine lines in my life about what I do with my life is because I understand I'm going to answer to God one day for those that I am influencing. I'm going to answer to God for how I've influenced them. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 tells every one of us to obey our spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work, spiritual leaders' work, is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy, not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Now that passage tells me a couple of things. One thing it tells me is that it is very beneficial for me to have spiritual leaders in my life. But God said what he wants me to do is obey their instruction, don't give them any grief. Amen, Jeff, amen. Don't give them any grief. Follow the instruction your spiritual leaders are providing. That's what's gonna make their leadership beneficial in your life. But the thing I wanna hone in on in that verse is that leaders are watching over your souls and they're gonna give an account to God for how they lead you. So important to know that. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 18 and verse six, Jesus said, if anyone should cause one of the little ones To lose faith in Jesus, it would be better for that person to have a large millstone tied around his neck and be drowned in the deep sea. Can you see how seriously God takes the influence that you have in the lives of others? So understanding that, I want you to realize God's not going to hold you accountable for what those that you influence do or what they become. God's not gonna hold me accountable for what you do with your life or what you ultimately become. Here's what he's gonna hold me accountable for. What did I give you an opportunity to do? What did I give you an opportunity to become? And the same will be true with your influence. He won't hold you accountable for what those you influence do or become in their life, but he absolutely is going to hold you accountable for what you give them the opportunity to do and become. And so we need to lead well, number five the fifth observation I'll make about everybody in this room, because everybody leads somebody, right? Everyone leads someone. Leadership really is just influence. You can lead people down the wrong path easier than you can lead them down the right path. And we're going to be held accountable for how we lead. Number five, leadership is about serving, not being served. You, You know, the scripture makes it clear if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been born again, if you've accepted Christ as Lord of your life and he's your savior and Lord, you no longer belong to this world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Ours is a fallen world, look at me, and our fallen world does things much differently than, than they work in the kingdom of God that we're now a part of. How many recognize that? Not at me, at least not at me. Things work so different in God's kingdom than they do in this fallen world. And there's no greater example of that than the idea of leadership in, in the world, in the fallen world's view. Your greatness as a leader is gonna be illustrated by how many people are serving you, how many people are waiting on you, hand and foot. In the kingdom, it's the opposite. In the kingdom, it's not how many people are serving you, it's how many people are you serving. That really, really illustrates the greatness that you have in God's kingdom. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus put that in great perspective in verse 11 and 12, when he said the greatest among you How many want to be great in God's eyes? Say, I do. do. The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Listen, let me put it in perspective. Any desire to use authority as a means of being served is satanic in nature. If you're trying to use the title you have, The position you have to get people lined up, to wait on you and your agenda, you need to know that is satanic in nature. God didn't give you that position of authority so that people could line up and serve you. No, 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 no. He's given you the opportunity to serve them. He's given you the opportunity to serve uh, their interest and the interest of his kingdom. In Isaiah 14, we have uh, an interesting, interesting passage of scripture that initially in Isaiah 14, Isaiah is talking about uh, pagan leaders of the day, but as he's writing about them, he begins to move into another kind of dimension, as it were, and he begins to describe the fall of Satan, the one that we know today as the devil or as Satan was once known as Lucifer. He was an angel created by God, serving God in the heavenlies, but one day he rebelled against God and he led a third of the angels in their revolt against God, and that's described in Isaiah 14, verse 13. Uh, Isaiah writes this uh, about Lucifer. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. By the way, stars of God is a reference to angels. All through the Bible, uh, they are referred to as stars. He said, I'll raise my throne above the angels. I'll be." He said, I will, will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. Lucifer said, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Stop for just a moment and ask yourself today, What does your leadership reflect more? Jesus humbled himself as a servant. He came not to be served, but to serve. Lucifer tried to exalt himself to make everybody else his servant. What does your leadership look more like? Jesus or the devil? Once you determine that in your heart today, It's going to contribute towards you being the leader that God really wants you to be. Listen, God's given you authority so that you can serve his interest in other people's lives. Number six, I'll make another observation. Good leadership begins by leading oneself well. Today, I'm not asking you so much, hey, how well are you leading your employees? How well are you leading your constituents if you have a civic position of leadership? I'm not not asking you, how well are you leading your small group? I'm asking you, how well are you leading that man in the mirror? Because that's where leadership begins. If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead anybody. And so good leadership begins by leading oneself well. The truth is the thing that most often Uh, differentiates between great leaders and not so great leaders is their ability to sell. It's their ability to cast vision in such a way that people want to follow them, that people want to get on board and do whatever it is that, you know, God's put in that leader's heart to do. That's really what differentiates, uh, you know, great leaders from just so, so leaders. And listen, if you're good at persuading others, reality is you're probably good at persuading yourself, And many times we persuade ourselves to do things we shouldn't do and not to do things we should. And our leadership is only going to be as good as our ability to lead ourselves. In Luke chapter six, verse 42, I used this passage a couple of weeks ago when I was talking to married couples, but I want to use it in this context. Jesus said, how can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye, hypocrite? First, get rid of the log in your own eye and then you'll see well enough to deal with a speck in your friend's eye. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, lead yourself first before you ever try to lead anybody else. Let me give you real quickly some practical tips that'll help you to lead yourself better in the next 12 months. In fact, let me just say that who you are today is who you're gonna be in 12 months, save for two things, the people you hang around and the books you read. So let me start with this. What are you reading? Readers are leaders. Leaders are readers. You need to read books that have been written by trusted authors that have biblical uh, principles that are are really uh, illustrating for us how to do life. If you will begin to really commit yourself to reading those good books, you'll begin to grow. Your potential will begin to grow. Then secondly, surround yourself with, with the right people. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Surround yourself with the right people. Get people around you that are stronger spiritually than you are, that are a little bit further along in their journey than you are, and learn from them, glean from them. Set some goals and work towards those goals. Just make up your mind, hey, this is what I want to achieve in the next 12 months. Set those goals and begin to work towards them. Serve others. I've already kind of talked about that. But listen, if you're going to be able to lead yourself, it's going to start by, again, you becoming that servant. Then focus on, this is so important, focus on being righteous, not right all of the upheaval that we see going on within social media today is just people trying to prove themselves right. I don't know about you, but I've made up my mind. I would rather be righteous than right. I would rather God smile on me than prove to everybody that I know what I'm know what i talking about. And so let's posture ourselves, to lead ourselves better by just determining. I don't have to be right. I just have to be righteous. I have to do what I know God expects from me and I have to please him. And then lastly, leverage your strengths and work on your weaknesses. Every one of us have strengths. Every one of us have weaknesses. We need to leverage those strengths to the glory of God, but we need to work on our weaknesses. And lastly, today, here's what you need to know about being a leader. You need to know that everyone leads someone, that leadership is influence. that you can lead others down the wrong path easier than the right path. You need to know that you're gonna be held accountable for how you lead and so leadership is about serving, not about being served and good leadership begins with leading oneself well. And then lastly, the best leaders are good followers. The best leaders in this house today, in this audience, Really are great followers. Paul said, You follow me as I follow Jesus. The only reason Paul could have confidence to call people to follow him in his pursuits is he knew he was following Jesus. And we need to follow the Lord with all of our heart, follow God with all of our strength. I've only been in, I think, three automobiles. Accidents and you know, almost 40 years of driving. I've only been involved in about three automobile accidents. Uh, the last one happened right here on I 10. Chase was riding down the uh, road with me one day and he and I were talking. I wasn't paying close enough attention. The, the cars ahead of us had come to a slow, a slow crawl and, and I didn't notice in time. Slammed on my brakes and not hard, but barely bumped into her. But I hit somebody from behind and I got a ticket. My ticket was following too closely. The officer ticketed me for following too closely. Look at me. God will never give you a citation for following too closely. Listen, you can't follow close enough to Jesus. Look, 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 look. If you run into him, do it again. (laughs) Just keep running into Jesus. Follow him as closely as you can. Here's what Peter said. In his first letter there in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, he said, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he's your example. You must follow in his steps. Peter knew a little something about following Jesus. Because if you recall, if you know his story, you know that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he told his disciples what what was gonna happen. And Peter said, listen, even if everybody else denies you, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. I'm gonna stand with you. And Jesus actually prophesied, predicted, no, you won't. In fact, before the rooster crows, before dawn, you will have denied me three times. You follow the narrative, you know that's exactly what happened. Let me read from... Um, uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 58, the scripture says, Peter followed along at a distance. He wasn't following following closely. He was following along at a distance and he came to the courtyard of the high priest's palace and he went in and he sat with the guards to see what was going to happen. If you know the narrative, you know it was at that courtyard by that fire that he was surrounded by people that were enemies of Christ. And he was warming himself at their fire. And they began to ask him questions and say, aren't you one of his followers? And he denied it. And then he denied it again. And a third time, if you know the narrative, you know he even called curses down on himself to to demonstrate to them, look, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Can I tell you, every time you deny Christ, you're calling curses down on your own life. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the father. But if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. So don't follow. Here's what Peter would tell us today. Don't follow at a distance. Follow closely. Don't warm yourself by the world's fire. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit ignite something within your life. Amen? And never deny Jesus. Never deny him. But confess him. Can I share with you the most significant way you'll ever make a public profession of faith in Christ is through water baptism. It's Step one, really, in following Jesus. And if you've never been baptized in water, we have baptism services in all three services next Sunday. You can, as you go out, sign up right there at the information desk or sign up online at mycrossroads.org today. I would love every one of you that have never followed the Lord in water baptism to make the most significant public profession of your faith you'll ever make. Next week, by going public, over your faith in Jesus through water baptism. Because here's, here's what I'll wrap up with. Here's what I'll wrap up with. We will never lead others as we were meant to until we follow Jesus as we were meant to. Wow. I sure hope you're following him.